This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. I want to begin by uh, thanking everyone for coming out tonight and thanking our sponsors, the Department of East Asian Languages and Cultural Studies, the Pollock Theater, and everyone else who made this event possible. It's, uh, I'm very humbled to be back here at UCSB and... It's a really great honor to be sharing the stage with Professor Bai Zhenyong, who uh, I was thinking back as we were watching the movie, when did I first meet Professor Bai? It was actually 18 years ago. That long. That long ago. (laughs) In New York for the Peony Pavilion performance at Lincoln Center. And I've been very honored to uh, do a few events like this over the years with Professor Bai. And as uh, Kate Salzman Lee, the chair of our department, mentioned earlier, a few of his accomplishments. But for me, I remember when I first met you 18 years ago, you almost get butterflies in your stomach because Professor Bai is such a, a cultural giant in the Chinese cultural universe and in terms of his fiction, his role in the performing arts, the adaptations to film, uh, his nonfiction works. He's just somebody who's had such an indelible impact on the cultural life of Chinese people, both in mainland China and Taiwan, Hong Kong, overseas. And uh, tonight I still have the same butterflies 18 years later uh, being with you. So uh, it's such a great honor being here. And I'm going to be more of the facilitator, trying to get Professor Bai to talk a little bit about various aspects of his work, this film, his fiction. And I thought we would start with the short story, because of all the different artistic mediums that you have dabbled in from kunshu opera <laughs> to the novel to nonfiction works, most recently about your father. I think most people, when they think of Bai Xianyong, they think of you as the preeminent stylist of the short story and the master of the short story. In this film we saw tonight, The Last Aristocrats, was adapted from one of your classic short stories. What is it about the form of the short story that so attracted you and that keep, you keep coming back to it? Uh, okay, First of all, I'm, 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 I'm very, very, very glad that Xiao Bai, Michael Berry, I can't say call him Xiao Bai, is a homecoming, homecoming party for, for, for both of us, actually. So, the, uh, and he, uh, he is such an uh, expert on Chinese films. Uh, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very, uh, very glad, very happy tonight to be with him to, to talk about the films. Now, uh, well, let me just give a very brief, brief background of, of the, the, the story I wrote. It was a kind of thing of, I wrote, I wrote it in 1965. That was a long time ago. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Well, uh, you, you might have noticed in, in this film that uh, the shock this uh, for the Chinese students, uh, they 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 first heard of the you know the the communist troops, uh, you know, going to Shanghai. Mm-hmm. I think that the, actually uh, the story the uh, the centers on the the, the pivotal ev- event mm-hmm. of the communist conquest of China. Actually, the, in 1949, the conquest of China made a, such a huge impact on the Chinese people inside China and the Chinese people everywhere in the world. So I think that 
that impact, that impact, actually, of course, it was so long, so long ago now. But at that time, at that time, it's really, really, really something that uh, the, actually the Chinese people, especially those people, the, the Chinese students still in, 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 in the States, they're totally unprepared for that. It was quite sudden, actually. Although, although it was a long, drawn-out war, they uh, didn't expect that the communist victory came so quickly. So they're totally unprepared. So that's a sh- shock to, to, to them. So, uh, of course, uh, to, to us, too. <laughs> you know, I, um, I got out of China when I was uh, 13 at that time. So I also felt the impact, of course. So I think that story came from that. Yeah. So it came from the background. Sure. From the background. Of course, some of the, the characters have some prototypes. Mm. <laughs> you know? So not necessarily... Uh, the real, realistic, realistic uh, a portrait of some someone, but it's a composite picture of all the, the you know Chinese students who were studying abroad. You know what happened to them, and yeah. some some survived, some become the you know a drifter, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like Li Tong. <laughs> and of course the. 1949. Uh, these last couple of years, there's been a kind of, it's become a hot topic in the Chinese culture world. There's been books like Longing Tai, the former minister of culture in Taiwan, wrote a book called The Big River, The Big Sea, mm-hmm. about 1949. Of course, uh, it's always carried this very indelible, uh, painful memory mm-hmm. for some and a different memory for others. In mainland China, they talk about liberation. In mm-hmm. Taiwan, they talk about it as the loss of China. Uh-huh. Um, and although you don't see it played out on screen in this film, it's certainly this kind of off-screen trauma that's haunting mm-hmm. all of the characters and driving them forward. Mm-hmm. And do you want to talk a little bit more about the impact of 1949 also on your, your other work? And how, yeah, how... I, I, I think, <laughs> come to think of it, all my, all yeah. my works, <laughs> so I, I think somehow mm-hmm. center around mm-hmm. this, this theme, yeah. the, the, you know, the change after 1949. So, so I think uh, uh, in different ways, like a Taipei, and you know, those the some people who migrated mm-hmm. to Taiwan, yeah. and that has led a different different face for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, those have those have gone abroad and have a different weight. I think it's it's a matter of survival. You know how to survive mm-hmm. the the uh, You know. Those in China too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, th- I think, kind of think of, when I look back, actually the Chinese are, are uh, great survivors. Mm. <laughs> you know, we survive all these calamities. All this, uh, of course, some of them, like Li Tong, yeah, yeah. she ended in tragedy. Mm. Uh, some of them ended, yeah. in tra- quite a few actually ended, but, but a majority of them survived. Yeah. And can you take us back to 1965 when you wrote this original story? What, mm-hmm. what were the conditions under which you wrote it? Where did you write it? How did this all come together? <laughs> of all the places, I wrote it in Iowa in the cornfields. <laughs> 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 I 
Of course, when I the first the first the first place, the first city I landed when I came to the United States it was New York. So that made an indelible impression on me. That's why I had a collection called New Yorkers. <laughs> so many because my, my brothers and sisters they they, they, they stay in New York. Mm. They study in, in, in New York or the vicinity uh, in New Jersey or New York mm. and th- that place. So I the first the, the, I flew from from Taiwan to New York. Mm-hmm. From to New York. So I landed in New York mm-hmm. and I stayed there for a while. Uh, I spent two summers in New York actually. Mm-hmm. So, uh, of course, that was a very everything was new to me, and <laughs> it was a yeah. big city. I was very, I was young and excited, and I explored everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I walked around, <laughs> so I was quite. I think in the city, New York has become a, uh, actually, uh, I was in one of the major things. Of my stories, mm-hmm. and how did Li Tong, this character, evolve? Do you remember uh-huh. how you put her together? Oh, how to put together? You know, uh, you know, I had a lot of stories about <laughs> about uh, the, uh, the overseas Chinese. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, uh, my my sister, my sisters, two of my sisters, mm-hmm. they they studied. They were they they were like the. the <laughs> the characters very much like the characters <laughs> in the movie. So they told me they told me a lot of stories about their friends. You know about their friends. They were the earlier, you know, they were the earlier immigrants. They they came before forty nine. You know, so maybe after the war, after the Second War, they they, they came to 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 United States. I heard stories from that. Was, uh, these are some of the compass pictures of the, of, 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 of the friends of, some of my, friend, my sisters. Mm. And then the setting, okay, so, so we're, it's set in Shanghai, New mm. York, as well as Venice. You uh-huh. talked a lot about just now about New York and uh-huh. the kind of personal contact. Why Venice? What made you choose that? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think there's a place... You, you, <laughs> I think it's very easy to get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I think that's a very, very, that, that city is impressed mm-hmm. me. Very, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Incredibly beautiful. But it's kind of a, it's also a very sad city. Mm-hmm. It's, it's melancholy. Yeah. That can give you kind of a, you know, melancholy. So it's, well, it's a, it's a good, very good thing to commit suicide. <laughs> <laughs> and then, if we jump forward almost twenty-five years to the adaptation of the short story uh-huh. into into film, this film actually has was a lot had a lot of firsts. It was the first mainland Chinese mm. uh, feature-length film to be shot almost exclusively on location in the mm. United States. Mm. It was the debut of a lot of major actors. You mm. see a young uh, Pu Xin as mm. uh, Chen Yin in this film, who later became a superstar. Mm. You see a young Ying Da and mm. all kinds of okay. you know, major uh, <laughs> actors here. Uh, I think it was probably your first short story to be adapted in mainland China. That was the first one. Um, uh. And so it... it 
was a kind of a major work, and it was directed by Xie Jin, who was really a legendary figure in the Chinese film world. And maybe we could talk first about your relationship with Xie Jin. And Xie Jin, yes, yes, of, uh... yes. I met him first in Los Angeles. Mm. There was uh, 1986, I think. He came here for some festival. Mm. So I, I met him in Los Angeles. Now we were talking about, he, he, he was very much interested in my works. Mm. In my, in my, because I, I think he is great at uh, uh, creating the uh, female characters mm-hmm. in his film. Like Hibiscus Town, oh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Stage Sisters. Mm-hmm. You know. So he, he was great at that. So uh, he was very much interested in some of the some of the female characters mm. I created. <laughs> so so he, we, we talked about that. So we had uh, immediately we had some kind of uh, you know some, mm. some some kind of uh, you know understa- mutual understanding with mm. each other mm. because of course our background too. He was he, you know. Uh, you know, he got his education before before the communist. Mm-hmm. So we had a common common background, yeah. common, common background. So mm-hmm. so we we spoke the same language, right. more or less the same mm-hmm. language. When he spoke to me, yes. <laughs> so we used the same language. Mm-hmm. So we understood each other. Yeah. So immediately we took to each other. So so he said he wanted to make a. Uh, film out of one of my stories. So I went to well, I went back to China in uh, after thirty nine years in nineteen eighty seven. That's the mm. next year. So he saw me out. So we he was you know began we began to to work on mm-hmm. on on a script first. So how involved were you in the script writing process? I was very much involved in the script, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for, for example, the, the last scene, the last scene, the, 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 the character, the, the, the white Russian, mm-hmm. uh, that's my yeah. idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my, my, my idea. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be very nice, mm-hmm. <laughs> very suggestive. Yes. To 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 put that uh, that at that, that so so we we talk, we talk we spent two 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 weeks together in the hotel. Mm. For, uh, oh, but incidentally, that that hotel is called the Xin Guo Binguan Xin Guo Hotel. It was by I think it's a huge mansion. Mm. It was owned by the, the Jardine. You know, the British company. Uh, it was owned by Jardine, and it was made a headquarters of the uh, the, the, the Red Guards during 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 uh, during the Great Cultural Revolution. I think Jiang Qing stayed there for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. According to Xie Jing, so he had a huge. Room for me. Mm. I suppose Jiang Qing stayed there for. Wow. <laughs> so Jiang Qing, so by the way, I should uh, foot Jiang Qing for those who don't, was Chairman Mao's wife and the kind of cultural czar during the Cultural Revolution in China. 
So, uh, Madame Mao. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so we spent two weeks together in, in that hotel. So we uh, work on the script uh, together. And were you present for the shooting or participate at all during the... I, I didn't... Uh, no, when he, when he came to the States and did some... Actually, some of the things was staying in Los Angeles, mm. <laughs> some of the campus thing. Mm. So I went on to, uh, you know, to, to, to see mm. that. <laughs> and as the original author, what did he get right? And what did he get wrong? And now, you know, all these years later, looking back in terms of the adaptation, oh. uh, what parts are you satisfied with and what parts do you oh, feel oh, they okay, just... Okay, okay, okay. Uh, um, first of all, he chose... No, Pan Hong was not the first, not the, not the first choice. No, Pan Hong was not the first choice. Actually, his first choice was Lin Qingxia. Brigitte <laughs> 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 Of course, Lin Qingxia was a big star at that time. Uh, his first choice was Lin Qingxia. Lin Qingxia actually, he agreed to, you know, to join the film. But, but uh, China just opened up. China just opened up. Uh, some, he, she, she was, I think Lin Qingxia had some uh, concern, mm. you know, he was concerned. He had some some concern mm. uh, because because he said maybe the 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 government in in Taiwan would mm. would do something about her mm. films there. Mm. So so eventually she backed out. She backed out. So Pan Hong was the 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 thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, Pai Hong, Pai Hong is excellent. I, I, so I, she's an excellent actress. She's very good, very good. I think she gave a, a, a very, very remarkable performance in, in, in this film. The change and mm-hmm. all that, the change of personality, mm-hmm. and especially the last scene. The, the, the last thing she, I think she came off, came off mm-hmm. quite well in the last scene. But I would like to have the first, the first thing, the, the party, the party mm. scene, the first thing. Mm. I would like to have it more grand, grander. Mm. <laughs> and also, uh, the, the, the qi pao, the mm. gong, the long gongs, the, 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 mm. the, the, um, the, the girls wear, mm. I would like to have it more glamorous. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but at that time, at that time, I think the the I think because people didn't wear the 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 long gowns for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, it was women always wear pants. Mm-hmm. You know, for, sure. <laughs> they don't they don't they don't they don't they didn't wear the the long the cheap part anymore. So that, I guess. No, I think the older the, the, the tailors didn't know how to make them. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Were there other challenges like that in recapturing that era in 1989? Whether it be you know shooting in New York or shooting the Shanghai scenes, uh-huh. were there other challenges such as that in terms of the yeah. fashion, the car, automobiles? I mean, uh, there was yeah, a the, lot, I, yeah, I think so. I think I, I, yeah. I think. They already considering mm. uh, they, they, they could have quite a marvelous job for that. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
I mean, you even notice in the opening sequence, there's these kind of, all the shots are aiming up at the, uh, the, the, the buildings because if you're at street level, you see all of the automobiles, you see the people's yeah, that, fashions, yeah, and yes, that's a kind yes, of savvy yes. way to avoid those temporal markers. I think they must have a hard time of, 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 of finding those automobiles yeah. and things like that. <laughs> Not many exist, I think. Yeah. And... Part of this kind of leads into the question of adaptation. And so over the course of your career, you've adapted some of the great masterpieces of traditional Chinese opera for the stage. Mm-hmm. You've also had many of your fictional works adapted uh-huh. for film, for uh-huh. theater, for television. So maybe we could talk a little bit about going each way in terms of first, you adapting other people's work. What do you find the greatest greatest challenge? And then the other side of it, having your own work adapted when I you see. Find most painful uh, okay. <laughs> that process <laughs> because because I'm the I'm the author of my own work yeah. so 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 I have more freedom yeah. <laughs> liberty to, yeah. to to make changes <laughs> to make changes mm. if I, I have to adapt other so I have to cons- you know, have to have more mm. consideration yeah. a, especially when I when I when I when I try to adapt the uh, the Quenxu, the Tang mm. Xianzu's mm. the piano pavilion he was. Uh, he was such a uh, you know uh, master of, yeah. of that situation. So I have to be very careful uh, not to mess up with his work. <laughs> <laughs> what about what, seeing an adaptation like this, uh, the Last Aristocrats on screen? You know, it's a fairly faithful adaptation to the plot, right? Uh-huh. But for those of you who have read Bai Xinyong's work in the original Chinese, if you're fortunate enough to have had that experience. There's a beauty and an elegance of the language, which, and there's also a perspective, this point of view, which I think you can't translate and you can't adapt. Um, what's you, when you watch something like this and you see all of the, those elements, those intangible elements that are lost, how do you reconcile that aspect of the adaptation process? It's it's always you know the two the, the film and and and, and uh, uh, you know fiction very different media you know you, you understand that so so the, I I think I think we we we, we did we did have we did meet some difficulties mm-hmm. so some some of the very some very lyrical passages you know some very poetic lyrical passages it would be very difficult to. To translate it into on 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 the screen, mm. so, but I think it did quite quite well. The last thing, the yeah. last thing, I think the the, the I think the lyricism and 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 the poetic quality, and and the, the tragic dimension. Uh, I I think mm. the last thing it seemed to me came off quite well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. This this next question, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit and have you self-analyze your work a little, mm-hmm. um, because there's only a handful of writers in the Chinese-speaking world mm-hmm. whose work really, ha- in modern literature, really has the staying power that continues to be adapted, continues to be read, to be loved by audiences throughout different regions. Uh-huh. I mean, there's Jin Yong, there's uh-huh. Eileen Zhang, and there's Bai Xinyong. <laughs> there are probably three of the most common names. What 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 do you th- at the core of your work? What is the element that you think so attracts readers and brings them back generation after generation and brings people to sh- you know, adapt your stories over and over again? What is that core element? 
That's a good question. I ask myself all of that. <laughs> Where they keep back, they keep, they keep doing this again and again. Or another way to ask it would be, what makes a short story a Baishiryong story? What is that, that, I, that characteristic? I think that maybe, uh, maybe the characterization, characters, I think. Uh, maybe I have some interesting characters. Yeah. That that uh, attracts, you know, uh, the filmmakers uh, to do to do to do to do the film like that. I think you need a you need a strong character or, or sharply, you know, uh, characterized. Yeah. So we have a lot of undergraduates here from UCSB who unfortunately didn't have the opportunity to take classes with you uh-huh. while you were teaching here. Uh-huh. And for those here that might be artists, writers, film directors, what advice would you have for them about having a life in the arts today and uh, about creativity and creating stories and creating anything? In I, I, I think I've always been a dreamer. <laughs> so you, you've got to set some dream. So uh, pursue whatever you think that's so... Important to you, uh, so don't 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 think of it. Uh, don't be afraid. Just go ahead. So especially when you are young, some setbacks mean nothing. Just keep trying. Do whatever you think is the most important for you. So please join me in thanking the wonderful, legendary <laughs> Professor Baixinho. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.